Hello, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to the second episode of MBSG's The Bemo, an inside look at getting from college to C-suite. From recruiting for internships to inspirational success stories, these podcasts can give you information and tools that you need to navigate the complexities of the business world. My name is Jay Nair, and I'm a freshman in the Marshall School of Business studying business administration, and I'm your host for this week. So joining me today on today's episode is Captain Casey Woodson. Captain Woodson is currently Portfolio Manager and Financial Advisor at Wells Fargo. She manages millions of dollars in client assets and provides recommendations to help her clients make strategic financial decisions. However, she did not have a very typical path to the finance industry. Captain Woodson completed an undergraduate degree at the United States Air Force Academy in 2007. While on active duty at the Air Force, she was appointed to be the lead financial budget analyst, managing more than $80 million worth of government funds. She also led a technical team responsible for security certification of over $1 billion in GPS military code receiver programs. Later on in her career, she decided to come here to USC and obtain her MBA here at the Marshall School of Business. We are very honored and lucky to have her here on the show. Welcome to Captain Woodson. Thank you so much. So to start out, tell us a bit about why you joined the Air Force and what you would say your most significant experience was there. Yeah, so uh, when I was younger, I was always a bit of a tomboy, um, which is, you know, an understatement. I was, you know, my friends laugh about it today because my daughter is like the girliest girl you've ever met and they do not know how she came from me. But um, so I always wanted to do things, you know, athletic things, outdoor things. So I went to my dad uh, and I said, Dad... I want to be in the military. And he said, well, you want to go to college too, right? And I said, oh, yeah, yeah. And he's like, well, why don't you look at the military academies? Because you can be in the military and go to college at the same time. So I was like, perfect, right? So uh, ever since that day when he told me that, I just was geared on going to a military academy and then ended up deciding on the Air Force Academy um, and then got in. Uh, and so that kind of started the road. Um, you know, I knew it was a wonderful institution and I knew college would be paid for. And so um, that's ultimately how I decided on the Air Force. So, wow. yeah. And then and I guess you said your most significant experience there. Right. Um, I think uh, probably the challenge of just getting through the Air Force Academy in general. I know it's hard to like quantify just one experience, but... Uh, I think that institution had a huge impact on me lifelong. Um, it almost served in some ways as like a parent to me and created structure that I was uh, needing and not knowing how to obtain uh, since my childhood was pretty unstable. And so um, I think just getting through the Air Force Academy and the friends and the experiences I experienced there was change game changer so wow yeah, yeah. And, and so yeah and going off that so then after you did you served um, at, yeah you have a five-year commitment after you finish school right so. right and so then you became chief of the GPS information insurance evaluate evaluation team mm-hmm. and so you led a technical team of over 60 people yep um, so how, how was that how did you keep so many people on track and how was that you know coordinating the entire group together yeah, I think that's one of the beauties of uh, becoming an officer straight after undergrad is you're thrust into a leadership experience that you probably wouldn't have. Um, most people don't have straight out of college. So uh, this was about, I think, my third job as a first lieutenant when I started, when I took over this team. Um, and it was a major leadership challenge because most of the people on the team were the age of my parents and older and had been in this industry for years. So what was I going to do as a 22, 23-year-old? You know, what value was I going to offer as a leader to these people? And I'm, I was the boss. I was the one in charge of the team. 
So, you know, I went through a lot of this in my mind of like, what is, you know, how am I going to do this, right? <laughs> and, and I found that it was a lot simpler than I thought. The biggest thing that I did was I really focused on understanding what the organization did because we were, we were a security organization that had to assess um, the equipment that was being developed and whether or not these government contractors that were building military equipment were building it to the specifications that we needed to keep our information and our GPS system secure. So a lot of people within the GPS wing, which manages the GPS asset, didn't understand what we did. And a lot of times we were kind of, you know, it was annoying to have to deal with our group. So I got in the weeds and really got a sense for what it was our organization did and how we contributed to the, you know, mission, right, and effectiveness of the system and the protection of that system. And I made sure everyone in the wing understood that without that protection and security, what the threats were against our system and how it could impact our warfighters and our service members. So I was telling, you know, just telling the class that um, you, you seem like a genius, but literally all I did was just become competent in what our organization did and effectively communicated it to the rest of the group and, uh, you know, ended up having a very successful time as the chief. And um, then I left and came to USC for my last assignment. So Right, yeah, and so you yeah. came here and you obtained your MBA here, correct? I did. I actually um, ran the uh, operations for the ROTC detachment here, the oh, Air Force, okay. as my last assignment. And while I was here, so I was considered faculty. Okay. I was a f- assistant professor of aerospace studies, so I taught a leadership course that all the, um, I believe, the, the third year ROTC go through and then ran the training. Wow. And, uh um, so I was here at USC from 2011, and then I started my MBA program in 2012, and then did the three-year um, PM program and finished in 2015. So okay, wow. I uh, got ingrained with USC pride, and you know, <laughs> right. I uh, realized what a phenomenal institution this was. So yeah, wow. yeah, that must have been very different from going to the GBS team straight to USC. That must have been quite the transition. Totally, it was like it, it was very um, motivating to be around academia and young people again because I'd gone from you know a lot of the people on my team. It was like you know fifty plus, mm-hmm. right? And so it was going from that to like being around all college kids, <laughs> you know. And at the same time, I had my first kid. Um, so it was nice, you know, that's where I really solidified um, just a responsibility and self-discipline and learning how to be an effective leader. So uh, it was a wonderful experience. And, I, you know, I love USC. <laughs> it is a great place. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. And so going from the Air Force to USC and then in the finance industry, how, how was that transition? And what do you think some of the important skills you learned from the Air Force and in here, um, especially in the ROTC program, uh, how, how was that? What, what would you say? some important um, things you learned from those experiences and how do they help you in the finance industry? Yeah, so I, th- uh, I attribute USC. I mean, I don't think it probably would have taken me longer if I hadn't done the MBA program to start this, the business that I have, which is a financial advising practice. Um, because when I was leaving the Air Force, or actually, let's, let's step back. Mm-hmm. 
when I started the MBA program as a uh, first year, I had not decided whether or not I was going to leave the Air Force. I was still pondering. Uh-huh. The reason I was getting an MBA was because you can't get promoted or it's very unlikely to get promoted to the next step after captain, which is major without a master's. And a lot of my friends had done online degrees while in the Air Force. I knew that I wanted to get my master's at USC. I'd grown up in Southern California and just had an affinity and a love, and I knew they had a wonderful business school. Um, And so I took steps to put myself in a good place to be able to be here for my MBA and do an in-person program, which I felt was very important. So in my first year of the program, um, I was I was living with our two of our good friends from the Air Force Academy that graduated with us, um, Brian and Kelsey Goodchow, were living with us, and I had helped a lot of people with financial decisions because it, I got a reputation at the base and just with friends of knowing a lot about finance and um, you know retirement planning and financial planning and things like that, and so Kelsey and Brian were instrumental along with my husband and really pushing me to start thinking outside the box and starting my own business. Um, and the, every day, you know, I'd come home from work and, all right, so when are you going to start your own business? And I was like, that's so much risk. And, you know, it's such a high barrier to entry. It's very difficult and had all these doubts and things. And then I start the MBA program. And, you know, your first your first year, they're starting to talk about, okay, making you learn or be creative and think outside the box about assessing different business opportunities or different business challenges. And I started hearing all my classmates talk about what they were doing. They were leaving careers to go start something and take on risk, but they were passionate about it and, you know, looking at opportunity. And so my brain started going, I was like, oh, maybe I can do this. Maybe I can be successful. And then ultimately, um, I realized that, uh, in that first year, I was like, you know what, I'm going to do this. I think that I'm going to be successful, and I think that I offer something that's lacking in the industry. And uh, with Brian and Kelsey and my husband by my side, and most other people were naysayers. They said, don't do it. It's a super risky, and you know, you're, you're not going to be successful. I had those three and my um, confidence from Air Force and all that, and thankfully, I walked left the Air Force and started the business. And I, you know, I owe so much to the MBA program for that confidence. So, yeah, wow. That's great. And, and so now what, uh, one topic I wanted to get to was about discipline. You talked about how, um, you really saw, previously talked about how relentless you were in fostering discipline among your cadets and how that's trained them to be more attentive to details, kind of going back to that. And how is that discipline, you know, starting your own business, managing um, money, how is that, how important has that been to um, your success? I think it's uh, directly correlated to the success that I've had. I don't think, I think the Air Force and learning the processes and learning how to be disciplined and um, effectively manage a team and come up with solutions, uh, there's no way because they pretty much, at least the way I came in, which was, you know, standalone by myself, I had a mentor who was phenomenal, who, um, you know, I owe so much to, and uh but overall, they just kind of thrust you into the business and say, go, go figure it out. There's nobody telling you, here's how you get your, your clients and here's how you operate as a financial advisor. They give you some steps and things to think about, right? So it was up to me to define what type of advisor I was going to be, what type of relationship I was going to have with clients, how I was going to build, and then how I was going to operate. And so learning in the Air Force how to create processes when they didn't exist uh, to make something more efficient. 
um, directly correlated into what I do. And I apply so much of the follow-up and accountability piece because I manage so many different households and people and situations um, that I have to know how to keep everything straight and on track. So, or else my, my recommendations are, are not going to follow through for clients. And that's the most important piece, right? Is making sure those are implemented throughout the rest of their lives. So. Right. And, and, and so, so, so something I want to ask you about was, you know, when you see a lot of these investors, you know, what are, what are some of the common challenges and mistakes that you see investors commonly make? And, and what, why do you think that is? Some of the fears you see that some of them have. So the number one thing, um, and as cliche as it sounds, is there is always a disconnect between what they're doing and what they want their end result to be. So, you know, and that was apparent to me when I was uh, answering a lot of questions before I had my business, I'd ask people, why are you saving this? And why is this invested this way? And what does that accomplish? What's the end result? You know, how much after tax income are you going to have in retirement? Why are you doing this versus this? And 95, maybe more percent of the time, it'd just be like a blank stare, deer in headlines. I kind of think that's what I'm supposed to do. So for me, I just can't handle that. My personality is one where I've got to have everything lined up and I got to know the end result. You know, my friends and family will laugh. We'll be watching a movie and I'll read to the end of the Wikipedia to know the end of the movie. It's like I can't can't leave anything to chance, you know. So with my clients, I get them, first of all, on track with a very specific plan. So they know their end result, again, connecting that pain of, sacrificing funds and money now or, um, you know, learning how to block out all the information they're getting from all over the place to focus on what are the things that lead to financial solvency and wealth building over the long term. And so I first get them on track with a plan. And part of that process is getting them to hone in on what their actual goals are and as, like I said, as cliche as it sounds, boil down your life goals and financial goals into two or three things. And when you've got those down and you know exactly what it is, how does each decision impact that? And if it doesn't, it shouldn't be on the table, right? Um, and I did this in my own life uh, probably a couple years ago. You know, I knew I was doing this with my clients. And uh, so I made my husband and I did it. We boiled down ours to two. And I can't tell you how much stress that has taken off of us. And now every decision we're faced with, whether it's financial or personal, how does it tie to those two? And it gives us so much confidence in what we're doing in the long term. I mean, I'll tell you, the process that I've developed with clients and seeing the confidence that they build from day one of working with them, uh, and then when we get all this implemented and they really truly know what it is they're accomplishing, it's just just incredible to watch. So... Well, yeah, that, that, I mean, that, that, that truly is amazing. Um, and, and thank you so much. I think that's uh, all the time we have. Uh, thank you so much for everything. Thank you, Jay. Thank you. Have a great one. You too. Fight on.